Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Today we're going to be discussing, once again, Diablo 4. So, as I said in my last podcast, um, in my initial thoughts and impressions, and of course, please, please, please go check that out if you want an overview. Um, It was pretty in-depth, and it was a lot of fun to record and really get into the weeds on. Of course, I'll still be doing the same here, but it won't be as general as much of general overview see that one was within my first three to four days of playing i had early access so um yeah it's a great time i had a lot of fun and i got pretty far considering but i am just now really getting into the game and i knew it then i said you know until i finish the campaign and max level and really start the end game challenges that's when we'll really start to know and then of course when season one rolls out we'll start to understand how the how they do continuous progressive updates to the content load, which is, of course, vital to a live service game. So the pros are still the pros, the cons are still the cons. I just want to go a little more in-depth on what kind of new things have come up, what I like, what I'm interested in seeing in the future. Um, I doubt this will be as long as the previous episode, as the first one, since that was kind of an overview and initial thoughts on the entire game in my feelings. Um, For what I knew at the time, this is kind of an updated on a more micro sense of what what I've come to understand from playing Diablo 4 and some other nuances along the way. So... Once again, thank you all for supporting. As always, you know the deal. This is freestyle off the top, just talking. Just, I usually have the topic in mind or written down. Right now, I don't have anything written down. And then I just go. So, I appreciate the support as always. Please check out my music at P-S-Y-K-I-C-K, capital P, capital K, all one word. Psychic on all streaming platforms. Um... And then Psychic34 is my Instagram as well as my TikTok. So please go check those things out. Uh, support me in any way you can. I got some new short films on the way. I've got some new albums and other uh, songs on the way. And of course, I'll keep, uh, keep making podcasts when and where I see fit. So once again, thank you all. And uh, let's get into it. My updated thoughts on Diablo 4 or a continuation of my thoughts, you know, a part two. Here we go. Alrighty, so first things first. What all has changed in the course of my playtime in Diablo 4? It's been about just over a week now since it came out. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Oh my god. Have I lost my life to this game? Yes. But for the better. I really needed needed a vessel to chillax. To really just chill the fuck out. I have been overworking and overstressed to the bone. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't relax. I mean, I still struggle with it now, but I'm forcing myself to because I've got a busy week ahead of me. I'm traveling in a couple weeks. Um, all great things, all very exciting things for sure. So, um, I've just been taking care of myself for the past week, really focusing on enjoying my summer break before the break is over and the grind continues, but it ain't, it ain't like... And it's not like I'm not doing anything, you know. I've got a new album on the way, and that's all I'll say about that. Um, I'm I'm usually recording multiple albums at the same time. Uh, film production company that I'm I'm starting up with my buddy. Got some more exciting news on that in the near future, so stick around for that. So lots and lots and lots of work. <laughs> 
I'm doing behind the scenes without anybody really noticing yet. Uh, and that's just how it is, right? When you're an artist, such as myself or any artist in any field, it's a crazy process because we do a lot of work um, that we love, that we want to do, that we care about, right? Um, that isn't going to necessarily get us paid, or if it does, great. But a lot of us on the underground level, it's not a guaranteed payout that is of that compensates the time and energy put it. And that's okay. It'll pay off in the future, right? That's the part of the thing. you got to push everything at it and create it as a long-term goal. And it's not just for the money, you know. It's because we love to do what we do. I, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. I love doing what I do. Um, it, it fulfills me. So, But it's it's tricky because it's hard to market it when you're in the process of creating it and I still do and I still keep try to keep on top of it but um it's just hard you know it, it's it's hard because you don't you don't need or want people to see the nuts and bolts of everything that's going on behind the scenes you don't want to seem like you're that vain but you also want to keep your fan base fed and you want to stoke the fire and that way they're still around and there's awareness for when you do publish your works so it's a trick it's a balancing act but in the process of all that i've been trying to find time to relax and diablo 4 has been a great vessel for such one because i wanted this game for a very long time as i said in my previous episode i got into diablo with diablo 3 in 2020 or 2021 something like that during the pandemic during summer um i bought it at a discount on my xbox i'm like okay let me let me try this i've Mind you, I didn't have a PC at the time. So this had to have been 2020 because I had my PC summer 2021. So I didn't have a PC at the time. So, yeah. So I bought it on my Xbox and I was like, okay, you know, I've heard good things about this game. It's only one of the most popular games ever made. Um, or highest selling games, I should say. And, um, and I knew I was late to the party, but I was like, well, I've never, I've never been interested in this camera angle or... And I always thought this game was more strategy than it was action RPG. I didn't realize much about this game. So I had nothing against it. It just wasn't something that really jumped out and grabbed me. But I said, fuck it. You know, I had a friend who suggested it. Um, I had some extra money to burn. And um, and I was looking for a game to sink my teeth into. And man, oh man, did I pick a good one. So I got the Reaper of Souls uh, version, which was a huge DLC that added... Literally two acts to the entire campaign. I think two or three acts, um, which is huge, and a um, bunch of dungeons, huge rework, bug fixes, graphic improvements, all these things from the base game that came out in 2012. Uh, Reaper Souls came out in 2016, so four years after the fact, and then I got it in 2021, um, or I'm sorry, 2020. So, um, and I just had a blast. I just fell in love with this game. Right? You know, it... It wasn't perfect, by any means, but... It really was some of the best horde action loot and RPG mechanics I've ever fucking seen in a game. And listen, loot mechanics and, and RPG mechanics can get tired quickly, but... We're talking about a, a franchise that has only put out four full-blown titles... And they, they're not fucking around. They know exactly what they're doing. 
say what you will about Blizzard and say what you will about Diablo. And there is a lot of skepti- uh, skepticism coming in uh, post Diablo Immortal, which I completely understand. That was a clusterfuck shit show. Um, that was the mobile game that came out last summer. It was a free-to-play mobile game on uh, iOS, Android, and subsequently it was allowed. It was ported on PC, which was confusing because Diablo has always been a PC uh, game. But when you're making a free-to-play mobile version and you're putting it on PC, that confuses the fuck out of people um, for what your intentions are. And it was well. Here's the thing: it was actually really well made. No one's doubting that. The graphics, the artwork, the design, the unique. Uh, scale of everything and the fact it all fit form factor in mobile and was pretty efficient to run I mean yeah it chewed up more battery than others but it had a lot of efficiency settings in it and you could play Diablo on the go and it's fucking amazing it like I tried it um for a couple weeks and it was fun as hell like it was extremely fun to play here's the problem I uninstalled it after a couple days or maybe a week. I didn't play it for a couple weeks. I, I played it for like four or five days, maybe a week. Here's the thing. Here's why I uninstalled it. Two reasons. One, because I'm not taken away from the gameplay or the presentation. The game's fucking phenomenal. And I really hope they fixed a lot of their shit. And maybe with the season one of Diablo 4, they'll do a revamp of the game. I would definitely download it on mobile. I love Diablo. I'd love to play it on the go. Especially when I'm traveling or I'm super busy or I'm boarding class or whatever. I fucking, I would love to do that. Here's the problem. It was the most egregious and aggressive microtransaction cash grab I think anyone has ever seen in the history of a fucking mobile game. And that's saying something. All of the ba- all of the good loot in the dungeon keys and the special like nightmare modes and keys that you would want to get that high level tier of loot, yeah, that was put put behind a paywall, which of course is an integral part to the gameplay mechanic. And don't worry, folks, I'll get around to Diablo Four. This all connects into it. Um, I'm just giving a little context and history leading up to Diablo Four, so you understand uh, a little more. Because I, I might have mentioned this briefly in the last podcast, but uh, but yeah. And I of course, I'll talk about expanded thoughts, gameplay, nuances that I've had as playing the game and beating the campaign and entering endgame and all that. Don't worry. But I like to set it up with a little more context to the situation and go more in-depth on areas you might not have expected. So anyway, so um, to get the greater rifts, right, which are like the nightmare dungeon equivalents, the, the higher tier stuff, to get... The, to put yourself in the place where you could possibly get good loot, you had to pay. And someone did the math and they said, well, it could, it, you could pay upwards of $100,000. Let me, let me reiterate that. $100,000 to max out your character. What in the everlasting fuck $100,000, and here's the kicker, some people spent that much money, um, I, apparently, I don't know how true that could possibly be, and if they did, let's, let's just be honest with ourselves, they're multi-millionaires, like, they're not the average person, there's somebody who has so much extra money to burn, that they chose to burn it on a game they really love to play, hey, 
if you've got that money and you love the game and you want to spend that much money on it, knock yourself out. More power to you. Have a good time. Good job. You know, if you work that hard, if you earn that money, fuck it. If you have that money and you want to burn that much money in a mobile game, please, by all means, have fun. Why you couldn't just spend a couple hundred dollars and then save that money and maybe just save it for Diablo 4, even though Diablo 4 has no pay for progression, it's all paid for cosmetics. Cosmetics are fucking dope, by the way, but they're not that important to the gameplay. Um, why not save your money for that? But whatever. <laughs> the fuck do I know? I don't have $100,000 I could just throw at a mobile game, so maybe I'm, maybe I, uh, I shouldn't be speaking on that, but that, so that, but that the problem isn't that somebody decided to spend that money. That's their own choice. Nobody has a problem with that. The problem is that, that that's a mechanic in the fucking game for a game where you're supposed to get loot drops and get these dungeon keys from playing and grinding and working your ass off. Now, here's the thing. I understand if it's a free to play mobile game and a damn well-made one, like it's its own campaign, its own storyline. Characters, art style, graphics, it's the full fucking thing. It is literally a Diablo game put in mobile and it works pretty flawlessly. Like it, it's really well made. So I understand that this game was probably a multi million dollar investment and I understand they want to recoup their money. They have by now, that's for fucking sure. Um, so I understand. But I, I also think they could have monetized this in a smarter way, you know? Also, compress the fucking game. It's a mobile game. And I know it's really pretty and graphically intensive, but... Like, each act was, like, multiple gigabytes. Like, the base game is, like, two or three gigs to just run. Which, I guess for a game of that... That's that big and that's that pretty. It's not the end of the world to have a game that's a couple gigs. And now that these phones are getting bigger... But when I originally got it, my iPhone 12 couldn't fit it. <laughs> yeah, sure, I had 120 gigs, but it was being used. I mean, it could fit it. I, I was able to fit it. But, but then it wasn't that. It was that all these expansion and extra things that you download to continue. 8, 9, 12. I mean, by the time it tallies up, you're looking at a 20-plus gigabyte game on your phone. Which, I don't think a lot of people talked about that. I find that to be just as big of an issue as the microtransactions. Listen, I wouldn't pay microtransactions that game. I'd play it for as long as I can until the free feeling of it, you know, ran dry. The problem is, also, I can't fucking, I don't want a game, I don't want many apps that take up that much storage. I just don't. I don't want a game that does that. So, if they've really reduced their microtransactions or found a way to better uh, allocate it and they found a way to compress or, or, or reduce the size with these improved uh, phones, and or now that I have a phone with bigger storage space, I'd be interested in giving Diablo Immortal another shot. But that's only if they fix their microtransaction problems. I don't want to endorse a game with my time, energy, or download to um, to continue to do those really deceitful tactics. So, the whole reason why I want to talk about Diablo Immortal is because that game single-handedly had the massive dick kick to the entire Diablo name. It put such a big stain on it. It made people so fucking scared of what Diablo 4 was about to do. 
that 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 it I guarantee you it it quashed some potential for sales. Quashed or squashed? I guess squashed works more. The fuck is quashed in this context then? Well, I think it's a synonym, right? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So here's the thing. Um So that came out last summer, right? And this is before we had an official announcement, uh, or this is right around the time, actually. They had a little BlizzCon, whatever, and then they announced the release date for Diablo 4. Of course, everyone, every genuine Diablo fan was excited for Diablo 4, but after Diablo Immortal, after doing free-to-play, after having that many microtransactions, and not listening to the community when everyone said, fuck the mobile game, just give us a new Diablo title. Then worry about a mobile game. No one has a problem against a mobile game, but if you put a mobile game to a Diablo fan base who has been waiting for over 10 years for a new Diablo entry, a full-blown one that we would pay 60 or $70 for, and then you pull this shit where it's like, well, here's a free mobile game. What the fuck? Like, even if that game is good, we don't want that right now. That's not what we're interested in. Give that after Diablo 4. I guarantee you, if they did that, even with the microtransactions, nobody would have given a shit nearly as much. You know why? Because most people would just be playing Diablo 4. And the people who can't are the real diehard fans would maybe download Diablo Immortal for the in-between times. That would have worked so much better from a marketability standpoint for Blizzard. But whatever, the game was ready, they wanted mobile... They wanted to cash in, and boy, oh boy, did they make some fucking money. And maybe their thought was the absence of Diablo would create that, and that dry spell would amount to more downloads. And that's probably very true. So anyway, that's a lot of shit about a mobile game that we are not going to talk about any further. But I think that's really important, because what that game did is that single-handedly tanked the Diablo franchise reputation for a year. Now, by tanked, I mean it was a temporary setback. Nobody thought that that would completely override the incredible games and the history and the culture and the video game and entertainment and arts culture significance of Diablo. Listen, I've been a fan of this game for a couple years now, and I love this game and the franchise and the community, but I didn't even fully understand how big this fucking game was until I did some research for these podcasts and for this continuous series that I'll, that I'll be doing for Diablo, and specifically Diablo 4, but Diablo as a whole. Um, wow. I mean, I thought, like, Diablo was a, the... I knew it was the granddaddy of ARPGs, and I knew that... For computer games, for PC games, for the late 90 games, it set the the mold. It, it established Blizzard. Well, that in World of Warcraft. Um, and it was a titan of its own respect. I understood that. But I also thought, like, because it's more of a niche genre, because of the top-down sort of isometric sta- uh, viewpoint, and because it's a high-fantasy ARPG, you know, Dungeons & Dragons-esque style game, I was convinced that it couldn't even be remotely as popular as games like COD. 
And technically, pure finances, it isn't. But for what it is, it's much bigger than I think anybody realized, and it's incredible for that. I mean, obviously, there are people who knew, knew how big it was. I, I just I didn't realize that it attracted so many non-Diablo fans or casual people along the way. I mean, I guess here I am. I wasn't a fan for 1 and 2, partially because I was too young when they came out, or not even existent. I mean, the first one came out four and a half years before I was born, so, or four, four, I was born in 2000, for those who are curious, I know, right? So it's really easy to keep track of my age. It's one of the benefits of that. Um, like, any, any friend or family who knows me, as long as they remember what year I was born, I'll never, I'll, I'll always be like, how the fuck can you not know how old I am? It's literally just going to be the last two digits of whatever fucking year we're in. If we're in 2023, I'm 23. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, so I think the first Diablo came out in 96 or 98. One of those. Uh, late 90s. Later half of 90s to late 90s. Took the world by storm. Second one came out in 2001. So, so yeah, I think it was 98, 97 or 98, actually. 90. Yeah, I think it was 96. Or, I'm sorry, 97 or 98, not 96. Because I believe it was a four to five year time span in between number one and number two. Anyway, uh... I looked it up. I keep forgetting the, the the year the first one came out. But anyway, it came out in the 90s. The second one came out early 2000s. Then the third one came out in mid-2000s. Well, two, well, I mean, not really. Mid-2000s would be 2,500. So we're not there yet. But um, Right? Yeah, technically. But uh, when I, <laughs> it came out in 2012. And then... And then 2023, Diablo 4 came out. So it's a crazy time in between. Almost a decade in between. So it's safe to assume we won't get Diablo 5 until 2030, 33 or 35. <laughs> so we've got a while with this one, folks. But here's the thing. It is phenomenal. From a foundational level, the gameplay, the graphics, the art style, the intricacy, the world design. It all works it's a lot of content. And the question is, when you always go open world, which Diablo 4 is the first time this franchise has gone open world, the question is, well, is it exciting? Is it fun? Can it maintain its pace? Because the other Di Diablos were linear, were very focused for the most part. Maybe open level in some areas, but, you know, you go from dungeon to dungeon and you plow through it. And the dungeons are procedurally generated. You know, preset amount of tiles and general fixes, and then they are kind of randomly scrambled together to allow more excitement. Whereas in this, most dungeons are handcrafted, or bigger chunks of it are handcrafted, and maybe some of it's just procedurally generated around, but it's a lot less aggressive in procedural generation. 
they wanted familiarity within the world. There's a fuck ton of dungeons, though. There's like 200. And that's not counting if you switch it to Nightmare, which is essentially the same dungeon, just more difficult with better rewards. So, um, and other modifiers. So, like, there's a fuck ton of content in this game for day one, week one launch. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours if you're a completionist. Fuck it, we're talking a couple hundred hours if you just want to level up. And so that's what I've been doing. So, let me, uh, switch from the just macro kind of, you know... Recap of what is Diablo and what led up to Diablo 4's release. And then uh, let's get into my specific experience building off of my initial few days from my first impressions. I want to just get more in depth on what has happened and where I've been. I'm going to keep it very spoiler light. You know, I beat the campaign, but I don't want to spoil that for anyone. It's only been a week, so I'm not going to really talk about that. In fact, as much as I love the story, I probably won't ever really talk about it at all. Not because it's not a great great story. It is. For what it is, but there's no point. If you really want to know the story, watch a YouTube video. If you really want to know the story, play the game. Anyway, here we go. Anyway, uh, I apologize for the side tangent on the history of Diablo and the whole Diablo Immortal thing, but I think that was just kind of important contextual uh, info to have so you understand the, the significance and the excitement that Diablo 4 wasn't a complete shit show filled with microtransactions and all these free-to-play models. It does have microtransactions, but they really are so far, so far, sticking to purely cosmetic. Will they change that? I could see them trying to, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, that Activision Blizzard also is famous for this, but other studios as well. First month, first two to three months... It won't have any storefront, or it won't have as aggressive microtransactions. So that way the review period and everyone's initial impressions are really good, so they get that initial marketing pull. And then when there are less people who are dedicated in playing it constantly, who are like obsessively devouring their content after the first few months or so, then they'll start slipping in the bullshit egregious microtransactions. So I could definitely see Diablo 4 doing that. However, the difference for Diablo is their fan base, once you get them hooked, they will fucking play your game to death. So, good luck. <laughs> You're not going to sneak it by the majority of the fan base. And w once you're a fan of Diablo, it's one of those games where you stay on it for at least a year or two. So... Even if it, even if your playthroughs become lighter and lighter, you know, new games come out, you get distracted. I know, as much as I love this game, and I'll always feel comfy to come back to it and build on it and see the seasons and get new loot, and I love that about this game, I know that I'm spending the bulk of my summer playing this one. But then when Armored Core comes out, or the Elden Ring DLC, or a handful of other games I've been excited for, I'll be playing those. That's just how it goes. But I'll go back to Diablo 4. I went back to Diablo 3 after I beat it. And that's an old game that's not getting as much support anymore. It still is, actually, but not a lot. So, a new entry that will get new classes, way new loot mechanics, areas, dungeons, all kinds of post-launch con post content and support. Yeah, I'll be coming back to this one. And it's fun.
I have a blast playing this game. Haven't had this much fun in a while. There are some other games I've had a lot of fun with, but, you know, De uh, Dead Island 2, for example, that was really fun, but that was really focused. You could beat that game in 30, 40 hours. There's not much else to do. You can find some stuff. I hope we see DLC for that game, but I got it. Wolong Fallen Dynasty beat that game in the course of a few months. That game is really fucking good. Very fun. Um, and there is DLC coming out later this month. We'll see how much content it is and what the price is and if it's warranted. But I'd definitely be interested in getting some Wolong DLC. Because that game was fan-fucking-tastic. And I got it on Game Pass, so I didn't have to pay a penny. Um, so yeah, no, there's some great stuff. But Diablo 4 is really taking up my my plate, and I love it. I love games like this. I love researching builds and figuring shit out and just playing around and, you know, changing up my, my playstyles and stuff. And I really want to try some other classes. So I started my playthrough the opening weekend as a rogue. Got to level 25 as a rogue. Had a blast with it. But then I decided, you know, it's a little more micromanaging than I thought. And it's not quite as powerful as I recall from the open beta. And that's okay. I have no problem with that. I think rogue is great. And I understand later down the road, rogue is like one of the most powerful. So I'm probably going to kick back up and, and get back into playing with my rogue build. But I switched over. And literally when I did this initially, did the first podcast, I was like level 5, and then when I did a later part, I was like level 20, 15. But anyway, I was low level on my Barbarian. So I was going through the works, and I was catching up on the campaign. Now, I liked the campaign, but I uh, I replayed that bitch a lot because I not only replayed the intro and the prologue from the beta with my Rogue and then with my Barbarian, and then all the way up to about Act 2-ish, with my rogue, and then same with my barbarian. So I already replayed those missions of the campaign twice within a couple days. And then my two of my friends got it at different time frames. So then I went back and helped them on both occasions. So I've played through a bulk of the first three acts, three to four acts of the campaign. I've replayed between three to five times, give or take, which is a fuck ton. So I have spent way more hours in the campaign rubber banding my time back and forth than actually pushing through. I would probably be in the near 70s level and much further in the end game content if I had no friends and I just played on one build and I didn't think about anything else except pushing through. But then again, who the fuck wants to do that? When you've got friends that have this game, you want to play with them. And I find that to be more fun even if I'm playing the same mission, I was able to help streamline it for them. And because I already did it, I knew what to do and I could teleport and give them shortcuts and all that. Because as great as the campaign was, that's like the beginning phase. You get through the campaign to get to the real meat and potatoes of the game. And I wanted to make this podcast because I'm there. My Barbarian's level 52, so I'm not that far into it, right? Level 50, and then you do this capstone dungeon, which is hard as fuck. Once you do that, you unlock World Tier 3, and that's where shit gets good. That's where technically the endgame stuff begins. All these extra things that are locked in behind World Tier 3 and up. And there's even more stuff once you hit level 70 and go to World Tier 4. Way more. But for now, it's great. You've got Helltide events, more world boss spawns. You've got uh, Nightmare Dungeons. You've got rare, unique, and sacred 
weapons dropping and, and loot in general, I mean, dropping more frequently. I had this horrible luck where I didn't get a fucking legendary weapon for my main two-handed uh, weapons for my barbarian. Very often. I've got, I got a total of like five or six and 95% of the time they were inherently weaker than the rare weapons I had. I only ever used one or two legendary weapons at any given point throughout my entire campaign playthrough because they were just not strong enough compared to my rare. I don't know if that's a bug, a glitch, or just shitty luck on my part. I think it's a pretty much just poor luck. But it doesn't matter because now I'm getting, you know, uh, unique weapons, which are or sacred unique weapons, which are even better. Unique weapons are above legendary. I don't know if there's anything above that. And then sacred is a designation on existing weapon types. Magic, rare, legendary, or, or unique. The sacred classification elevates the stats way more. So if you have a sacred rare two-handed sword against a regular rare two-handed sword, that sacred one is just so much more powerful. It's almost double or, or, I'm sorry, almost a quarter of the strength off bat without any upgrades or, or fixes. So that's pretty cool, actually. Um, I, I really try to avoid endgame, like, info. Like, I didn't look up anything with Nightmare Dungeons, never looked at a Paragon board, did none of that research until I reached that level. I just wanted to see it for myself. And I'll be honest, folks, I think that's the best way to play it. I've tried both ways, you know, I've watched some reviews, I've watched some breakdowns, and I think they're helpful, and I think they're really fun to watch, and to see what the community comes up with. So, go and watch those build guides, because they're kind of interesting, and they might give you ideas, or, better yet, they kind of help reverse engineer and teach you more about the skill tree, and, and pockets of it, and what it does, and break it breaks it down for you, in ways you might not have thought of. So, for that, it's great, but... If you're following a guide beat by beat, it's okay. I did it a couple times, but it's not as fun. It's more fun to know the gist of what you're allocating skill points to. But all the information's right there. It pretty much tells you. So unless there's like terms like overpowered or vulnerable and you're not quite sure what that actually translates to, obviously look that up. But other than those... Uh, micro definitions or small technical jargon based in the game lore um it's so much more fun to just explore the game at your own pace and not just in the open world but to um you know to just build out your character the way you see fit with new gear and new skill points and and paragon boards and such it is infinitely more enjoyable that way. And I, and I kind of did that, but it's hard because you're constantly scaling up and everything becomes antiquated after a level or two when you're doing the campaign and getting through to level 50. And once level, you hit level 50, for one, your XP slows down tremendously. You're not leveling up as fast. But even then, um, you're... Uh, then you start getting Paragon points, which are overall stat boosts. They're not 
individual skills. They're just huge, oh, 2% extra life just permanently or, you know, to that character. Um, and then you have Altars of Lilith, which are across your account in general. You also have World Renown. So jumping away from Paragon and Skill Points, World Renown is explore this area, do this thing. You do this dungeon, you do this side mission, or you just walk and you explore this new area. You get small, you get reno renowned points. And after you get X amount of renowned points, it'll give you rewards. It'll give you a fuck ton of XP, a shit ton of gold, and then something bonus, an extra skill point or an extra potion, an extra health potion, permanent. And it's not just for you, it's across the board on all your builds. So if you start a new character, that character will, will have eight health potions or six instead of the base four. Or base three? No, there's four at the base start of it. I'm at eight now. I have eight potions. So if I start a new build today on a new character, I will start with eight. I won't have four. So that's a huge boost. And then Altars of Lilith, when you find those, those are permanent stat boosts across the board, as well as Aspects, which are another thing you collect and you can put on legendary weapons that give you a special, unique trait to that legendary weapon, or Aspect, if you will. Um, those are across accounts. Also, when you complete the campaign... You get a horse, which is very helpful. I mean, you get a horse in Act 4, beginning Act 4, which is extremely helpful. Uh, so you get a horse, but then um, when you start a new build, you have a horse and you can skip the campaign and just go straight into just playing around. Now, I doubt you can go to World Tier 3. You still have to get your XP level up. Um... I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I kind of hope that if you skip the campaign, it'll give you the the default XP for that. I know that sounds kind of like a cheat. It's like, well, if you want that XP, you got to play through the campaign again. But it's like, you don't want to do that five fucking times. I've already done five times between two builds, but really between just one main build and just helping friends. I do not want to go through the campaign just to get that XP to get me closer to level 50. And see, the, these are the areas where that open world grind starts to really kick in and you feel it. So, it's not the end of the world. By no means. It's just one of those things where... You've got to understand that it can feel a little grindy. But I think once you get Nightmare Dungeons, I have a lot of fun with those. I love the dungeons. They're focused. They're, they're small. There's a lot of combat. You get great rewards. Um, there's this Whispering Tree in Endgame. You just do general quests and you get points. And then, So anything that directs me towards getting good loot, that's a fun, replayable. So you've got Helltides, you've got Nightmare Dungeons, you've got regular dungeons, you have side missions, you've got the Whispering Tree missions, and you've got just general exploration. So far, that's what I... And you've got world boss events and general world events. That's some of the post-endgame content that I'm aware of so far that I've experienced. And it's all really good. It all plays in your character, your character scales up, you become more powerful. Um, the whole world dynamic scaling... It's a pain, but it but you really start to feel your power as you get better gear and level up and get more Paragon points. 
uh, once you hit past level 50. Until then, everything's kind of a push and pull, back and forth. But once you get to level 50 and start going on and enter into World Tier 3, I, I just feel it's a lot more fun. So, yeah. Uh, let me get a little more in-depth on some of my experiences. Okay, so it's been about a week since I've last talked about Diablo 4, that last segment. And a lot has changed. I think I mentioned I started a druid build, but maybe I didn't. I don't know. A lot has happened in the past week or so, maybe 10 days. So let me just make this brief because um, I want. To, I just still want to wrap this episode up. It's not much right now, so this will be a few minutes long. And then I'll, I'll publish this episode, and then I'll have a more in-depth, another follow-up to Diablo when I get 70-plus. That'll be the next time I do this. Um, I've hit 50-plus in my Barbarian. I've done some Nightmare Dungeons. Man, are they fun. I love doing them. I've uh, unlocked more of the Paragon board, so I've truly seen more of the next tier of World Tier 3 in Diablo, and I'm just having a blast as always. They've balanced out some stuff. In fact, they've buffed a lot of things that were kind of weak uh, yesterday in a patch. So that was great to see. And I've started a druid build. I know, I know. It's my third character build, but now I got to skip the campaign. I'm just enjoying my druid. I'll be honest, I love my barbarian. I loved playing as the rogue, but wasn't as much fun as I was hoping it would be. Um, I might go back to it. Here's the thing. As seasons progress, as more goes on, I eventually will probably play through most of the characters, or at least give them a, a good shake. But um, the druid has kind of my favorite right now. Will that change? Possibly, but it's not the most powerful to begin with, but it is powerful enough to get you through. It's not underpowered like it was in the beta. Um, and I would have never paid it any mind, but then I started seeing more videos and YouTubers talking about it. I'm like, this seems kind of fun. And what really appealed to me is the build diversity within the Druid. Now, every class has such radical build diversity, and it's lovely. If you Whatever class you choose, Druid, Necromancer, Rogue, Barbarian, or Sorcerer, um, you're guaranteed to, to have two to three to four different types of playstyles within that. It could be a hodgepodge of your own likings. It could be really leaning towards one elemental. But there are so many different ways to mix and match your skills and allocate your paragon points and your bonus attributes and skills from legendary weapons and so on and so forth into each build that you can have two sorcerers and they can fight dramatically different or have way different types of damage and, and resistance effects. And I love that. Because there's a lot of grinding, and this game takes a while. And it would be very, very, very boring if there was like one or maybe just two genuine ways to progress through a character. Having three or four is exciting. And to have the potential new characters, as long as they're this well thought out, coming down the pipeline with new gear and new dungeons and bosses and elemental types and all these things, is a really exciting thing because all of it works so well mechanically. The gameplay is very satisfying. Everything feels pretty good. XP is a little slow. Um, this game is grindy and no one's like complaining that it'll take time to level up your character, but it takes too much time. And in a game where you're going to want to try new characters and bring them up to speed, it's a little frustrating. 
Um, so they have done a genuine small bump up in, I feel like it's general XP. It doesn't say that in the patch notes. And then Nightmare Dungeons and Nightmare Dungeon Enemies will now drop 80% more XP or will get, get you more 80% more XP when you play through it, which is massive. Then again, you still have to get to level 50 to get there and finish a capstone dungeon. I'm almost there with my druid. I'm level 40. I hit it last night. Without the campaign, it's been kind of a struggle, but not too bad. I've been enjoying it. I've played the campaign a lot, as I said. And I, while I love the campaign, I'm not interested in going back and doing it again. Ever. <laughs> um, helping friends through certain campaign missions here and there when I can, fine. But other than that, I really don't want to do it again because I've done it three times pretty much all the way through or through a good bulk of the campaign. One time all the way through. Let me be fair. One time all the way through. But um, two times like into Act 2 or 3. So almost halfway through the entire campaign. So a lot of redundancies. Going back and doing acts again for friends to keep to push them through it and or just doing it for other characters before I realized I could skip the campaign if I just stick to one. <laughs> so yeah, lots of redundancies. I've done the prologue to Act 2 so much. I mean, I've done I've done it all, but it's uh in terms of the campaign, but it's really redundant in that first uh 40% of it. So anyway, um here's the thing. I'm really liking my druid build. I'm going as kind of a werewolf uh slashing uh, what's it called? What's the special move called? It's the core skill move. I'm forgetting it now. But anyway. It's the werewolf that does all the slashing and deals poison. It's awesome. Druid can morph into different creatures and or kind of be a sorcerer. It's a very, very versatile build, but it's not the easiest. It's not the most simple. I would say the most, most versatile in terms of casual playing is a rogue. The most... Uh, just kind of the easiest to wrap your head around is Barbarian in general. Sorcerer, Necromancer, I can't speak on. My buddies play those. They look really fun. Um, and then the Druid is kind of a hybrid of Sorcerer and Barbarian, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Because you can be this big grizzly bear and just barrel through things and be tanky. You could be this earth mage that's also tanky and dealing a lot of blunt force damage and stun and all that. You could be a slashing type with the werewolf and leave venom and toxic stuff. So it's like the best poison build. Shredder. That's the core skill. Shredder. So I'm a toxic shredder werewolf build. So when I use the shred ability, I am doing very, very high multiplicative um, damage on a percentile range. As well as poison damage to compound on top of that. It's insane. I've got this build at level 40 in a way where I'm very happy with it. Almost to where I don't really want to change anything. I want to experiment. But I just need to get better gear. So I'm excited to get to level 50. I'm excited to do the capstone dungeon. And starting to see these higher tier rewards. I already have a legendary weapon. That has a, such a high roll for Shredder. It's, it does 194 out of 200 max percent extra damage. Immediately on impact of that poisoned enemies. So... So whatever percentage value that poison is doing damage on, it will do 200 or 194%, but we'll just round up 200% damage of that said poison value damage immediately on a strike. And it will 
it will dash me to the nearest poisoned enemy. And my basic attack claws poison enemies every hit. Or not every hit, but has such a high percentage chance. I also have my critical strike and critical crit damage really high. So I'm really feeding into crit strike and toxic damage. That's, that's where, where I'm really leaning. You know? So I just need to get it in a space where my spirit generation can withstand the amount I want to use shred because I'm using my basic claws and they're great and they buffed them and so that's great and that's my best way of generating fury and poisoning enemies and doing okay damage that doesn't take away my spirit but that shred ability is really where it's at that's when I can kill enemies other than that I'm just kind of toying with them and building up spirit so I'm still a little under leveled you know I'm still level 40 I think level 50 plus you know and, and I'm excited to get to that because as, a, as much as I love playing Barbarian, I just want to get to World Tier 3 and start doing Nightmare Dungeons on the Druid build. I'm really excited specking in that. I might change my mind, especially with this new season that comes out if they introduce a new character. I might just be like, well... <laughs> and it kind of... I, I wish there was a way where you can be really cool if you can take levels out <laughs> of an existing character. I know this sounds ludicrous. And funnel them into a new character. And maybe there's a max to that. You can't go more than 20 XP levels total. So you can't knock a character down too much if you're impulsive and you're not thinking clearly. But I would definitely do that. I would definitely do that. I would, if they allowed 20 XP, point, XP levels to be transferred to a character, I wouldn't do it to my Barbarian. I'd do it to my Rogue. I've got a 25 Rogue. And I love the Rogue, but right now I'm not interested in it. And honestly, I'd be happy to try playing the Rogue in the new season. So I'd just create a new class. So I would happily take 20 of that 25 XP and just put it right into my druid, bump that up, delete my rogue build, start fresh later when there's a new season, and, um, and yeah, and, uh, just, that would push me to level 60 on my druid build as of right now, that would be cool, or more, uh, what would be a more logical thing that they could implement is gold, X amount of gold can transfer to XP and or to a full level thing. I also wish on um, console you could see how much XP is left. On PC you could do that by just hovering your mouse over the XP bar. And I didn't realize that. I have a PC. I just don't have this on PC. And that's because I'm traveling a lot. And to have it on my Series S where I can go with Diablo is a little more suitable for me. In the future if I ever make enough money and I'm not too worried about it. Hell, I may buy it on PC. It looks better. It'd be fun to play on there. And uh, it's completely cross-play and cross-progression, so there's no worry there. So I have all my same stats, and I'll still be able to play with my buddies. But until then, um, it would be really nice to have a feature where, even if it's just a hotbar item or a button we press to check it, um, <clears throat> that'd be nice. See, even in the inventory, if it just shows your current level, how much more XP you need for the next level and how much XP it is total. Just a quick stat breakdown underneath maybe your profile character name when you open up your inventory slot. Um, that'd be cool because we can't on console hover over the XP bar. So it's not even something that we can think of. So I'm always curious. I'm like, how much XP does it take? And I didn't know that other Diablo players on PC just knew that immediately. They can just look. So that would be a cool feature in some way to add to the console because it's a little frustrating when you're just... You don't know how much XP you need. Not like it would change much. You still just got to do the same thing. But it would be nice to know. 
how much XP, is it a million at time when you're trying to hit 50 and how much do you get per enemy and all these things. I think the basic XP generation through going throughout the world does need to be bumped a little more. Probably like 5 to 10%. Because, like I said, we're trying to start new characters. They're wanting to incentivize that. So having this long, tumultuous grind to where you get to the fun endgame stuff, even after you beat the campaign and can skip that and have your horse, which is lovely. Thank God they have that. If they didn't have that, I don't think I could do as many character playthroughs so comfortably. And to be honest with you, the first 25 leveling is really fast. So I, I understand it does slow down over time. It's more... But they still, across the board, or even just, not a, maybe not in the first 25 levels, but between level 30 to 50, they need to bump that up just a little bit. 5 to 10% more XP per enemy engagement within the general overworld and in the dungeons. because And in just every dungeon, they need to bump up the XP. Because it's really slow. And if it's so slow and you're not doing campaigns, so you're not getting that XP. And even if you wanted to, you wouldn't. Like, even if you decided to replay the campaign, why would you? I mean, unless you really love the story. But you're not going to get XP from that. Not to my understanding. I mean, if you skip it, you don't get it. If you play it on another friend's, but you've already done it on your account, you don't get I mean, maybe. Maybe if you start a new campaign on that character, I mean, I guess it'll have to give you the XP and rewards for that character build. I guess that would make sense. Because the XP isn't an account XP. Um, or, better yet, it would be really cool is if you're, if you're allowed to skip the XP, you get 50% of the total XP that you would get from playing the campaign. Even that would help. Because you get none right now if you skip the campaign and start a new character. So just getting 50% of what you would get could boost you 10 to 15 levels right from the jump. Which would kind of be fun. You'd be overpowered as fuck to begin with. Um, so anyway, just some things to think of. Because the leveling, while it's, it's good, it, it can be a little better and a little more fluid and efficient for us, for those who are wanting to play multiple characters. Um, so yeah. So it's, it's definitely interesting. Obviously 50 plus and 70 plus is where the things get really exciting. It's just such a grind to get there. It takes so much time. So I'm going to push to that. I should be able to get to 50 today. Um, so I'm hoping to, to do that. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with Druid. I could be this Toxic Werewolf. I also have this Lightning Strike ability for my ranged attack. So it's a nice combination. Um, and I've read and heard, and so far it's only been buffed so, and, or balanced a little bit. That end game, especially with the gear stats, uh, Druid is one of the best for scaling into the end game. And having a fair but fun way of playing into end game and having a lot to do with it later. So I'm really excited for that potential. So anyway... Um, I know this is very uh, delayed segments, but so far, as of mid-June, late June, Diablo is Diablo 4 is still really fun. I'm making a lot of progress. Level 25 on my Rogue, which I started and then, you know, switched to Barbarian. Level 55 on my Barbarian. I have beat the campaign. I've played multiple campaign acts and missions with friends. I've done Nightmare Dungeons, Helltide events, World Boss events, 
I have not fought Uber Lilith. I have not surpassed level 70 yet on anything. Honestly, if I allocate all my time and energy in one character, I'd be like level 80 or 90 by now. At least level 70. I know it scales up dramatically. But... So far, I have over 130 plus levels between all my characters. That at least has to put me at about 70 or 80 in terms of XP scaling. If I just dedicated that to one character all that time. But that's okay, because I like to actually experiment, and, I'd, and I will bounce between characters in the future. I might. So it doesn't hurt to have them sitting and already kind of upgraded. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the future. I don't know if they'll raise the level cap. It seems like it's 100 right now, which makes sense. They might raise it, but if they do, they have to expand the Paragon board, maybe add some new skills or attributes or some new things you get. Um... But it takes a long time and a lot of energy to get to 100. Like, if you're already at 100 within the first month, you're playing this game a lot more than you probably should be. And even then, you still got other characters if you really want to try to get to 100. So, And they're all really fun, from what I've heard. They seem all fun. I haven't played Necromancer or Sorcerer. Some are better than others, depending on your playstyle. But for the most part, of the three I've played, they're all very fun in their own regard. And they are different. It doesn't feel like you're playing the same exact character, which is great. So I hope in the future with season updates that that also holds true. With season one, they'll have a pass. It'll be cosmetic. They'll add some new events. You know, the deal with Diablo. You have to create a new character to be a part of that season. I might do Rogue. I might do Sorcerer. I might do Necromancer. But if by some miracle they find a way, they might have one waiting in the wings that they've had ready and they saved it specifically for season one. If they have a new character class, or an old one that's returning. Because there's plenty that didn't make the cut that were in either the, in the previous Diablos. Um, so if they have one, like the Crusader, I, I, or the Paladin and the Crusader, are those, those are two, right? I'm not getting those mixed up. Kind of like your Barbarians and your Druid-esques, but a little different. That'd be awesome. I think I was a pallet I think I was a crusader in Diablo 3. So I, I would go back to Crusader in a heartbeat. Hands down. I loved that class. So if they bring that back, yeah. I'd I'd do that. For my seasonal build. And then of course with the seasons you don't have to worry because once you complete that season you get as far as you can, then it'll go to the Eternal Realm, the basic main game server and you can still play and progress that character so it's not just seasonal locked it doesn't just go away after a season so it's just you can only start a new character and progress it through the season and the special events and the gear and the items and it'll hopefully be worth the energy and time so i'm excited for all of what is to come we're expecting to get a season one update mid-july um so yeah diablo 4 is going great within the first month, and I'm excited for more.